Praise the Lord. It's wonderful to be back with you again in Cabot and in your new building. Wow. I know you are so excited about what God has done for you and through you. And seeing this building get filled completely up, you know, there's always vision for the next until Jesus comes. And it is truly a wonderful, beautiful place to worship. Um, when you get me, you get plain and ordinary. I told you that before. Uh, I'm a grandmother of nine. I have four children. I could be at home right now in church holding a grandbaby on my lap and several others beside me I am not doing this for any gain other than to see what God wants to do in this last hour I have told the Lord and I told him a long time ago I rehearsed for my precious husband yesterday in the car I was 17 years old at Apostolic Bible Institute and I was so homesick you know you can be so homesick that you're literally sick throwing up sick homesick and I was homesick. I want a mom and dad. I wanted my bedroom, my dog. I left everything and went to Bible school. And I was about ready to go home. I thought, I'm just not cut out for this. I can't do this. And the preacher preached that night. It was a profound message to the student body. And I'm sure very strategically preached about those that will forsake fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, houses, lands for the gospel in this time and his message was entitled in this time he said you're not just going to be rewarded in heaven you're going to be re rewarded in this time if you will follow the calling and what God has put on your life and I sold out that night in the altar at 17 I said Lord I am willing to be spent and so I'm with you today and how blessed I am all these years later and 36 years of full-time travel and ministry I have friends the caliber of the Gaddies I have people that have become moms and dads and brothers and sisters and family and you're my family and I get to hold your grandbabies sometimes and then I go home to a grand reunion oh we Chucky e. cheese it up when I get home you take nine kids to Chuck E. Cheese, figure that out in your pocketbook. <laughs> but we are so glad to be with you. And I have a simple little message today. And don't, don't let the prop kid you. This is, this is just not for the kids. This is for everybody. There's a kid that lives inside of you. And God is going to touch our hearts today if we'll allow it. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me this privilege of your pulpit. You could have anybody here today. And if I were sitting in these seats, I would say, oh, man, we don't get to hear pastor today because he is a wonderful, eloquent, anointed speaker and leader. And you know that. You are so blessed here. My friend, Stacy, I love you. I've gotten to see you in action several times. She is a powerhouse in the pulpit. I've seen her away from here in other pulpits. I've ministered alongside of her. And this, this is just a dynamic duo here. Well, you're standing a long time, and I know you want to sit down. Will you turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts? And we're going to the first, I'm sorry, the second chapter of Acts, verses 1 through 4. 
The music here is absolutely wonderful. Thank you to all the musicians, singers that lay the foundation for the word, for the ministry. We work together. This is so vital. That's all right to clap your hands. They, they are top notch. And a lot of work goes into this. And, and this brother and I, we have a, a thing going on. We let each other know when I arrive, we're going team preach today. See how he's doing that behind me? I love that. I need that. We take this all for granted sometimes, and I don't ever want to do that. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And some of them got the Holy Ghost, some of them didn't. Are you awake this morning? They were all filled. All filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them that love language. They all spoke. Other tongues means language. They all got the Holy Ghost. The quiet people got it. The shy people. The loud people. They all got it. Today is Holy Ghost Sunday. Every service should be a Holy Ghost service because this could be the last service before Jesus comes. You can't fly. You get out on top of this building and flap your arms and if they don't get somebody out here to talk you off the ledge and you flap your arms and jump, you're going to make a mess because you can't fly. How do we think we're going up when Jesus comes? It will be the power of the Holy Ghost that lives inside us that's gonna take us up when he comes. Hallelujah. I wanna go, don't you? Hallelujah. Before this service is through, you have a chance to make sure you're ready, to get ready, to be refilled, to get it all taken care of so you don't have to worry. Am I ready to go if he comes before midnight tonight? Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be ready. And you may be seated. Sister Celinda, thank you for that cool basket you gave me last night for hosting us with the training last night. And, you know, she put gift cards in that basket. And I, I just, I got this thing about gift cards. I love gift cards. I was so excited. Thank you for that. We get a lot of mints. <laughs> get a lot, a lot of mints, a lot of tissues, a lot of hand sanitizer. <laughs> and, and I'm happy for all that, but boy, those gift cards, they thrill me. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend, for knowing me so well. Um, I am bringing to you this birthday table right here. And as I speak to you today, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel him in such a sweet way. And I want you to feel free to laugh. I want you to put a smile on your face. You know, this is a very scary place up here. When you're standing up here and you're looking out there and people look like they're solemn and they're angry and they're hungry. 
and they're mad at you. It's really hard to minister. It doesn't matter how much anointing you have. But if you will smile and not look like you were at the funeral home, it will really help me a lot. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm getting ready here to deliver the word of the Lord. So help me, okay? I'm so happy to be with you. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. By the way, pa Pastor Gaddy has gotten our whole schedule together while we were here. And we have ministered in 17 services in 20 days. We have been busy for the Lord, and we've seen God pouring out his spirit all over Arkansas. The fields are white, ready to harvest in Arkansas. We're seeing powerful moves of the spirit. People are healed and filled. And, and so it has been a glorious time, and we were counting the days until we could be here with you. My husband works alongside of me. He is a man of the word, and I'm so very blessed and thankful for my sweet husband. I'm under his covering today. My pastor knows I'm here, and Pastor Gaddy, I submit to you as I minister today. I'm under your covering. I'm going to flow in your anointing today. This is a birthday party. Is it anyone's birthday today? It's your actual birthday today. Wave your hand if it's your birthday today. Nobody's actual birthday. Usually there's somebody. How about this coming week? You're getting ready to have a birthday this week. Anybody? Okay, sir, at the end, this was not about you. I didn't know. But at the end, you get to take that little cake with you. It's a real cake. That's your very own cake. And so don't anybody put your fingers in that icing because <laughs> that's not yours. That's his. Happy birthday. But I didn't know that. This table set up here is not about any person's birthday. This is a birthday celebration, and we came to celebrate today. Every church service should be a celebration. That's why when the music starts, we get out in the aisle, and we get happy, and we worship, and we have a great time, because when you come to a party, you don't look sad and mad. You don't just sit, you celebrate. Service is a celebration. Every time you come in those doors, from here on out, I want you to picture this sitting here in the altar area. I want you to take a mental picture and remember that when we come, we have come to celebrate. Who? What are we celebrating? One person, his name is Jesus. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we have come to celebrate today. And every time we come together, I want to tell you a little story. As you all know, I'm a storyteller. I tell things that have happened in my own life. I keep telling the Lord, I am 60 years old now. I have enough information. I've been through enough. I have enough stories to tell. And it just seems like until the day I close my eyes and step on heaven's shore, I'm going to have more experiences <laughs> because that's how God uses me. I was six years old, and I was going to be seven on my next birthday in three days. And, you know, normal six-year-old is bugging their parents. What are you going to get me? What are we going to do? But I was not a normal six-year-old. I've told you this before. I was born into a family with two beautiful girls. They were six and 12 when I was born. Dad was 48 and mom was almost 41 and they didn't want any more children. Surprise! It's like that word that we just read in the Bible. Suddenly. <laughs> Suddenly means surprise. So that's why the name of my message today is a surprise party. 
a surprise party. I'm six and, and, and I'm going to be seven. And, and so I, I'm thinking about my birthday because mom always would come to us and say, what would you like for your birthday? We only got one thing. We didn't get a whole lot of stuff. We didn't get a swimming pool or a pony. We got a book or a doll, something small, and it would be wrapped up, and that's what we got for our birthday. And then mom would say, what would you like me to cook for your birthday dinner? We could have anything mom made, fried chicken, oh, pizza, hamburgers, meatloaf. We could have, I'm making you hungry. We could have anything we wanted. And every year on my birthday, I asked for the same thing, homemade french fries with a puddle of ketchup and a dill pickle and bread and butter. And the whole family would say the same thing. You, you, you don't want any meat? No, just, just a big plate of French fries. But I'm not talking about out of a, a bag in the freezer. I'm talking about real French fries with the skin left on them, deep fried. Ooh, my mouth's watering. <laughs> And that's what I wanted for my birthday dinner. And then mom would make this wonderful chocolate cake. It was devil's food cake, dark chocolate with this special icing. We only got it on our birthdays. And she would cook the icing on the stove and then mix it with other things. And then she'd put it on that cake and it'd stand up in big peaks on the top. And we learned, don't bother mom while she's making that icing. If those peaks fall, she's going to cry and blame it on the weather. And that cake could be in the refrigerator, and we weren't allowed to touch it until the birthday. It was there a couple days before. I'm, I'm going to be seven in, in three days, and no one has asked me what I want. And there's no cake. There's no potatoes, and no one's saying anything. And a normal little girl would have been asking, but you see, I had a sibling that told me uh, when I was just old enough to understand that I was found on a log in the backyard that you were wrapped up in a blanket and mom and dad found you out there and, and they, they really didn't want you. They felt sorry for you. And, and the minute you do the wrong thing, they're taking you to the orphanage. They, they really don't want you. And, and, and so I was afraid to ask about my birthday, afraid that was the day I had in my little mind. That's the day they're going to take me to the orphanage because I was born with these two sisters that seemed to me to be perfect. They were quiet. And I had attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity before they knew what it was. They didn't have pills. They didn't even have the diagnosis when I was born. So, you know, what do you do but teach self-control? You parents of those wiggly, challenging kids, God's going to use all that energy if you just funnel it in the right direction and teach them self-control. God's going to use all that. He made them special. Thank God for a mother who understood that. But my sisters, I was so challenging. I mean, I'm sure the reason why they really didn't want me around because I, I came in with a bang. And, and so I wouldn't talk about my birthday. It's mom that plans the birthday. And I, I kept watching mom. See, the Bible says that the mother is the church. Those of you who are in the church, in the body, you are the mom. It's mom that prepares the birthday celebration. We got to get out of this idea of we come to church to get something for me. We've got to understand mom's not about her own day on that child's birthday. She 
sets up the table and gets everything ready because somebody's having a birthday and it's going to be a special day for my child for the one that's going to make their way to the altar hallelujah that's what this church celebration is about getting people to the table we call it the altar making it easy for them to come to the table it should not be a difficult thing and mom has to to not be self-centered and want something for herself mom doesn't get up on the morning of her child's birthday and say i wish i didn't have to give this dumb party for my kid i got a headache i don't really feel like it Oh no, mom knocks herself out. She spends money. She decorates. She gets it all ready with anticipation to make that day special. I'm watching mom. She's not getting anything together. And I wake up on the morning of my seventh birthday. And I go into the breakfast table and there's still no cake. There's no gift. Nobody says anything. And my heart just sinks. They, they really don't want me. Nobody's even mentioning it. I eat my breakfast and, and my dad says, now when you get finished, go get ready, get dressed. You're going to the grocery store with me. We're going, going to go to the grocery store. I remember distinctly that all of a sudden I had a little hope. Everybody needs a little hope. That's the first thing that happens to somebody brand new. They come in and they think, I'll never fit in here. I'll never be like you people. I don't feel like I belong. Nobody probably really wants me. God doesn't even want me. And all of a sudden, something is said that gives a little hope. That morning, I had a little hope. Dad's going to take me to the grocery store. He's going to buy me a cake. He's going to buy some potatoes. Dad's going to let me go to that little junky toy section. I'm going to get a, a paddle ball or something. Hope. So I, I'm feeling a little better and I get my clothes on and, and I go get in the car and daddy and I go to the grocery store and we go up and down every aisle and it's taking forever. And I'm thinking, what in the world? We passed the cakes. You didn't even mention getting a cake. He bought a pound of bologna, a loaf of bread, and a gallon of milk. It took forever just to get those three things. We get in the car and bags are in the back and dad's just talking about the weather and I've lost hope. They really don't want me. They really are going to take me to the orphanage. They're going to drop me off. They really, they don't really want me. That's why they're not saying happy birthday. They're not celebrating my birthday. I remember feeling the tears well up in my eyes. You know, I'm just seven years old, but they're done with me. I'm, I'm so naughty. They're done with me. You know what? Some people feel like they're so naughty that God's done with them, that he doesn't really want them, that he could never really forgive them. It's hard for some people to come to the altar, and we think maybe they just don't want people looking at them. Or, oh, no, the main reason is, will, will he meet me there? I, I'm afraid he may not forgive me. I've done so many things wrong. Listen, I'm telling you today, there are no orphans. Hallelujah. He's not ready to turn you over. He's not ready to forget about you. As long as there's breath in your body he's not done with you it doesn't matter how many times you've fallen get back up today come to an altar repent get your heart right make up your mind to walk with the Lord he's not done with you he loves you no matter what you've done or where you've been hallelujah the unconditional love of God 
is amazing. I'm sitting in the back, in the front seat, and groceries behind me in the back seat, and I'm getting ready to have a meltdown. I, I'm, I'm planning this meltdown. This is just not fair. This is not right. I'm seven. They don't care about me. They're not going to have a party for me or anything. Nobody has said happy birthday. I'm going from sad to mad. I'm working up a meltdown. If you don't know what a meltdown is, you're probably not married. <laughs> All girls have meltdowns. You never get too old for a good meltdown. This is family service. Let me help you. When meltdowns happen, don't try to fix them. See, men are fixers, so they want to know what's wrong. Why are you crying? Did I do something? Don't ask those things. Don't, you probably did, but don't ask those things. <laughs> don't try to fix it. When a meltdown is happening, it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody did anything. Girls just have those. So when the meltdown starts, the best thing you can do is just say, honey, you are so beautiful when you're crying. I love you. <laughs> and if she'll let you, put your arms around her when you say it. I'm helping you today. Meltdown. I was planning that meltdown. I'm going to run in the house. I'm going to run up the hall. I'm going to throw myself across the bed, and I'm going to have a meltdown. So I open the car door. I'm getting ready to go out. I'm going to run up that sidewalk because I'm, I'm heartbroken. They don't want me anymore. They're going to take me to the orphanage. They, they didn't even celebrate my seventh birthday. I'm feeling so bad. And when I get out of the car, my dad says, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Grab those groceries out of the back seat. Child labor on my birthday. <laughs> now I'm really mad. And if you're not careful, you can sit in a service and there'll be just some little something that'll get you off track. That's why I bind confusion and distraction and I loose the presence and the power of God. I loose peace on you before I get up here. So there won't be one little thing that gets in your mind that distracts you from God wants to do. You won't always find a perfect church because there aren't any perfect people. I won't say all the perfect things today, but I pray that I find favor with you because I don't want you to get stuck on one thing. I was stuck on one thing. I couldn't even see what was getting ready to unfold before me because I was so mad about one thing. And I grabbed those groceries and I stomped my little feet up the sidewalk and I kicked open the door and I threw those groceries on the floor. I was headed up the hall for the meltdown. When suddenly, surprise, happy birthday. They're coming out of the kitchen and up the hallway, and they're coming from everywhere, friends from church, family, cousins. It was being planned all along. They were, did not forget my seventh birthday. There was a plan happening that I didn't know about, and God has not forgotten you today. There is a plan. Hallelujah. It's your day to make your way to the table, and there are going to be angels lined up shouting, Happy birthday! Day. Surprise! Surprise! That whole table was set up just for me. All the gifts, the, the cake, everything was there better than anything I could have imagined. All I had to do was come to the table. 
Don't make this so hard. Oh, it's a, it's a long walk from back there up here. Not if you just pretend you're coming to open your present. Everybody likes presents. I'm, I'm coming down there. I don't do too good up here. I need to see your faces. Sorry, camera people. The birthday table. You see, when we come to church, it's all ready. I don't know how the cake got all the way over there. I think you guys shouted it over there. I've used this theme for about 32 years. It's been on tables in Africa, in Australia, Finland, Paris. It's been all over the world, little birthday parties. I always go and get their particular de decorations in their country and set up their party. Men, women, and children. I've seen the oldest 93 years old come to the birthday table. I've seen many three-year-olds and four-year-olds come to the table. Why? Because everybody loves a party. You know, when we come in, what happens? The little boy is invited to the birthday party. You know, often when invitations are given out, they're sent in the mail. Or a little child will pass them out at school. I was a kindergarten teacher. And it was a terrible day when the kids would finally stop crying. Usually two weeks into school. There'd always be five or six of them would cry every day. You couldn't send them back. They had to come to school. It's a law. Do you want your parents to be arrested? They had to come to school. But they'd been used to being at home in their jammies eating Fruit Loops. They didn't want to be with a strange woman in a room of kids that they didn't know, all dressed up at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's traumatizing. And I was the one that had to be the counselor <laughs> during this traumatic time. And after about two weeks, they're finally getting a little buddy and they're playing on the playground and they're eating lunch together and they're deciding I'm okay and they're going to they're gonna be all right. Mom does really come back every day and, and they decide it's going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, a kid comes in with a white stack of envelopes. Can I pass these out? My mom said, sure, do it quickly. Up and down every aisle. Here's one for you, one for you. No, you don't get one. No, not you. Here's one for you. No, you don't get one. Here's one for you. And I watch. The criers are crying. Because that's their first feeling many times of rejection. They didn't want me. They didn't invite me. You know, there's no understanding of it's a little house. Mom said you can invite 10. There's only 20. There's 29 in your class. You can only invite 10. There's no understanding that. It's just I wasn't invited. I wasn't accepted. Spirit of rejection is a real thing. And people sit on our pews and we do what we can to make them feel welcome. But if we're not careful, we forget about how rejected we felt. We felt like we'd never fit in. We have to roll time back. Back and remember so we can address those things and help people get to the table yeah. Yeah. Amen. hallelujah Amen. <laughs> and so <coughs> excuse me finally they realize that you know everything is going to be okay and I'll get invited to the next party and then the little boy gets the invitation and he runs home can I go to Johnny's party he's my best friend at school yes but we have to go to Walmart buy a gift because you don't go to a party without a gift. That's rude. You take something when you go. And so he 
he goes with mommy and they pick out something and and he has his little present and he walks up the sidewalk and he's so proud because it's first time to ever go to a party and mom's discussed it with the mother and she drops him off for a couple hours for this party it's his first time he goes up the sidewalk feeling real big and then he's a little early because he's got great time management he's a little early <laughs> and and he walks in the front door and mom that stranger she he's never met her and mom says, well, welcome to the birthday party. We're so glad you're here. I want you to put this pointy cardboard thing on your head. And be careful, it'll probably pinch your chin. But you have to wear this. And he's like, I want my mom. She wants me to do what? And there's no other kids there yet. And she puts this thing on his head, and sure enough, it pinches his chin, and the tears well up in his eyes, and mom's already gone, and he wishes he didn't come to that party. And you see, that's how people feel sometimes, because they see us with our pointed hat on our head, and we're a little different, and they feel like they'll never fit in. And it's not our job to put the hat on their head or, or to try to force them. You be who you are and what you are, and over time, you'll feel comfortable. Hallelujah. You know, those pointy hats back in the 17th century were a sign of royalty. The ribbons that flowed out of the top of that pointed hat and trailed the ground the longer the ribbon, the higher rank of royalty. Young people, don't be ashamed to wear your party hat out in the world to be what God has called you to be, to be different in this world and then mom says now you can have one of these and and, and he, she gives one to every child all the kids are coming in now and he realizes everybody's wearing a pointy hat so that's okay now the kids that are coming in the door are saying can i have a pointy hat you see things change if you just keep coming it won't feel strange anymore all of a sudden they all all have a noisemaker and they're making noise that's our worship don't let the devil steal our worship it doesn't have to be just 20 people up here and 20 up there shouting and dancing but let's fill the aisles and the back back aisle and, and let's all get out of our seats and worship this is who we are people come because they've heard about our worship we worship in spirit and we worship in truth and it's who we are and it lays the foundation for the move of God we cannot quit worshiping I know those seats are nice and comfortable but get up get up Wave your hands. Do something. Oh, well, I'm just kind of a, a quiet person. Yeah, and that same person that says that will go to the ball game and, and they will scream and yell until they're hoarse and have no voice the next day. But this is for the king of kings. The gift. You're supposed to bring something to a party. And you want to bring something somebody likes. You don't want to get them something dumb they hate. I was so happy when I opened my gift last night. She picked great places. I got a Starbucks card. So happy. She found out what I liked. And you need to find out what's that person collect. They, if they collect something, I want to add to their collection. You know, Brother Vernon collects knives. Don't buy him one. We have no place to put them. Collections. If you have collections, people want to buy you more because they want to give you something you like. You know Jesus has a collection. 
So in a few minutes when the music plays and I ask you to come to the table, if you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you just get out and you come up here to the table because you're getting ready to open your gift. And when you come, you're going to bring a gift for the birthday boy, the one we came to celebrate, Jesus, because he has a collection. And all you have to do is lift your hands, close your eyes, forget about everybody around you. Nobody has to touch you. Nobody even has to be close to you. All you have to do is just say, Lord, I am so sorry for the bad things I've done. Please clean out my heart. Please forgive me. I'm going to try to walk with you. You're not saying I'm going to be perfect. You're not saying I'm going to give up everything right now. You're going to say my intentions are. See, the Lord knows your heart. My intentions are I'm turning away from sin, and I'm going to learn to walk with you. You have to learn to walk with the Lord. Some people won't come because they think they have to be perfect right away. We all had to learn to walk with the Lord. We're still learning how to walk with the Lord. We help each other around here. So don't let that keep you from coming. Some people won't come because people are going to touch them. People are going to be up in their face. No, that's not going to happen to you here. You can come stand all alone before the Lord and just bring him your gift. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to bring anything, Sister Vernon. Oh, you already have it. What he collects, you have. The moment you lift your hands, you're handing him what you brought and what he collects. And the moment you say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. The moment you do that, you give him permission to open that gift. And there is only one thing that he collects. He collects hearts, dirty ones, broken ones, bruised ones, battered ones, shattered ones. It doesn't matter what shape it's in. You're handing him what he collects. In that moment, you're giving him permission to go into your heart. He won't go in there unless you invite him. We invite him with our words through repentance. I'm sorry, Lord. We find out that he's not like everybody else. If I let you look in my heart, and you let me look in yours, we tend to be a little hard on each other. You mean you did all that? You better cry some more. I never did that one right there. Wow. We're hard on each other. So we think Jesus is like that. And years ago, when I pulled this heart out of the bag and I started to say to a group of about 400 children, Jesus looks in there, the Holy Ghost checked me and said, don't tell them that. I don't look in there. He knows what we're doing when we're doing it. He knows that we were already born in sin. You know your heart already looked like this when you were a little baby? When you were still naked and you just said, wah! Your heart already looked like this? Isn't that great that he started us all out on the same page? We just add stuff to it, smash it down in there. But it already looks like this. So don't think you're alone. All of our hearts look like this until we come and say, Lord, please clean out my heart. And with one sweep of his hand, he cleans out our heart and leaves a clean, empty spot that he can move into. Hallelujah. That ought to excite somebody. Hallelujah. I'm not living in sin anymore. He's forgiven me. Hallelujah. Repentance is a real thing. And you feel wonderful when you repent. Hallelujah. Oh, but that made a very terrible mess on the floor because sin makes a mess. It has.
has to be cleaned up. It's not in my heart anymore. But the Bible says you must be born of water and of spirit. We do a lot of talking about the Holy Ghost. But you can't have that if you haven't repented. You won't move in a dirty heart. But you can decide when you want to get that mess cleaned up. Before you get the Holy Ghost or after. We've been seeing a lot of people come up in the water talking in tongues. So if you want the Holy Ghost, you can come get it first, then get baptized. Or you can be baptized and come up out of the water talking in tongues. But you must do both. You know the only way anyone was baptized in the Bible was in the name of Jesus? By going under the water and back up? You know no one has ever drowned being baptized? It's very quick. You'll hold your breath. But you're being obedient to Scripture. That's why we do it. And you know what happens to that? Then that is cleaned up. It's covered by the blood. We take on his name. If you're not sure how you were baptized today, you're not sure what they said, don't just take it for granted. Let this pastor rebaptize you. So you hear him say, in Jesus' name. If you've never been baptized, today's your day. The water is ready. Don't wait because Jesus is coming. And the Bible says he is the bridegroom and we are the bride. We have to have his name in order to be the bride. So the ones that are going up are covered by his name. You can't be the bride if you don't take on his name. Don't wait. Don't say, well, we've got a planet. You know, we've got 14 family members that are going to be here. We've got videos. We've got live stream. Call them, tell them to watch. What if Jesus comes tonight at midnight? You're going to wish you had gone ahead and done it. Somebody keeps thinking, well, that's not the way my grandma did it. And if I, if I say this is right, then I'm saying my grandma wasn't saved. I want to help you today. Quit letting the devil hang you up with that. Because you know the truth. Grandma didn't. God will deal with her so justly and lovingly. Leave her in the hands of the Lord. Your family that did things differently because they didn't know. But you know you're going to be accountable for you, for your children, for your grandchildren if the Lord tarries. So you go ahead and do what what the word says and don't let the devil hang you up with that I'm so thankful that I had that second surprise party I was nine I might have told you this before but I'm gonna tell you again I was sitting in my Sunday school class sister Betty had big puffy hands my mom would deliver me into sister Betty's big puffy hand she would drag me all over the classroom because I was her special helper. When I wouldn't let her drag me anymore, she took me to the superintendent's office. And I watched him take attendance and count money. He was my best friend. <laughs> Thank God for Sunday school teachers. <laughs> and, and so on a Sunday morning, I'm so happy to be in Sunday school. You know, we, we want our children to be happy about coming to church. I love church. It was my favorite place in the world. People were more patient with me there than anywhere in life. Because they were full of the Holy Ghost. And Sister Betty said, I want you to sit down right here. And I sat down in my seat, and, and I'm looking around, and there's no craft, and there's no snack or, or nothing. And Sister Betty says, today we're going in the sanctuary with all the big people. I said, I don't want to do that. I want to glue cotton balls on a lamb and have cookies and juice. She said, we're not doing that today. We're going to the sanctuary. I want Jesus to come quickly. Because I can't sit still in the sanctuary. I don't want to sit on the front row with my mom looking at the back of my head. 
and taking notes. I don't want to go in the sanctuary. And she lines us up, and we're walking up that middle aisle, and I'm making sure that when I walk past my mom, she does not look at me. I don't want to see my mom. My dad's not there because my dad didn't believe in the Holy Ghost. My dad was at home, and my dad loved God, and he read his Bible, but he did not have full truth. And he would argue with my mom about the Holy Ghost a lot of times, about baptism in Jesus' name. As a kid, I was always conflicted because I would hear what dad would say, and dad was my hero. He's my best friend. Dad was at home that day, and mom brought me to church, and when I came up that middle aisle, the teacher was walking me up the middle aisle. I'm not going to look at my mom. I'm not. I am not. But, see, babies are born with magnets in their heads. Not maggots, those are worms, that's gross. Magnets, like refrigerator magnets. And we don't realize it, but moms have magnets in their heads. When you walk past your mom, the magnets suck you to her. You can't help it. It worked. And there's my mom with bulging eyes and flaring nostrils and gritted teeth. She doesn't have to say one word because I can read what her mind is thinking. You better sit still and you better be good or I will kill you when I get you home. My mom always said I'm firm but friendly. Oh, she was much more firm. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the front row and I'm trying to be good and use my self-control because I don't want to be killed when I get home. And the preacher comes out. I mean, I, I am so bored. I don't know the songs. I, I, I want to be somewhere else. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm biting my fingernails. I just want to get out of there like somebody today. And I'm counting the lights. Some of you know exactly how many lights there are in here. I, I'm counting the lights. And... and, and the preacher comes in, the singing's over, and the preacher walks across the platform, and the preacher sits down, and it's intriguing to a little nine-year-old girl. He sits in two and a half folding chairs. He was very, very large. I know my mom was holding her breath, afraid I'd say, look at him! <laughs> Self-control. I didn't, I just kept watching. And when I watched Brother Billy Cole walk to that pulpit with the Bible under his arm, something stirred in a little girl, and I felt something different about him. And I thought, man, I want to hear what he has to say. The Bible gives us favor with the world. We can go out and that same stirring will happen to the person at the gas station and in the Walmart and in the coffee shop and at your work. And they'll be, oh man, something's different about that guy. I want to hear what he has to say. He arrested my attention and he began to talk about the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you today, you're not going to heaven because you're a kid. You have to be saved. You're not going to heaven because you're good. You have to be saved. You're not going to heaven just because you come to church. You have to be saved. I thought all kids would go to heaven. He said, you're not going to heaven because your mom and dad are going. Well, I, I thought when my mom went to heaven, I'd just grab a hold of her skirt or she'd grab my hand. I, I really believed that when I was a little kid. I was just going to go to heaven because mom was going. He said, you're not going because your mom's going. 
I remember feeling afraid. You know, little dose of old-fashioned fear, that's, that's okay, that's scriptural. There are some people, they're only, they're only won by fear. Some people, they, you want to go through something hard? Well, just keep running from the Lord because he's going to get your attention because he wants you saved. He wants you saved more than he wants you healed. He loved to heal your body, but he really wants to get you saved first. That's most important. I'm listening to Brother Cole, and he starts talking about the gift. You know, gifts are very easy to receive. If I told you I brought you this, we came all the way from Wisconsin. I spent all of my money, and I brought, brought you this. I wrapped it all up. I'm going to give it to you after church. All you have to do is just walk up here to the table, meet me up here, and I'll give you this gift. There is not one person in this building that would say, I'm scared. She's going to give me a gift. I got to go. Not one person would say, oh, I'm hungry. I better go get some dinner, and I'll, I'll see about that gift later. Oh, no. Why do you think he said, you shall receive the gift? He could have said, you shall receive the Holy Ghost, but he put that word in their gift because he knew everybody would say, wow, I want a gift. There's nothing hard about getting a gift. I want whatever Jesus has for me. The gift. I'm sitting on that front row, and I feel like I'm going to cry, and the tears are coming. I'm looking all around. I'm trying to wipe them because I feel the tears coming, and I'm so thankful that when I looked around, there were people who were already worshiping. The altar call was getting ready to be given, and people were worshiping, and tears were rolling, and I realized this is a safe place for me to show emotion. If we're not careful, we're so desensitized that we don't show emotion anymore. You know, big, strong men weep when they pray. Our boys need to see our men weeping. Our little girls need to see mamas and daddies weeping before the Lord. We need, this is a place where our emotions engage in worship and in loving the Lord. I, I, I realize it's okay, and I, I start letting the tears roll down my cheeks, and I realize I'm about ready to, to give my heart to Jesus. I never even thought about it before, but I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. And I remember saying, sitting on the end of that front row, Jesus, I'm sorry for the bad things I've done. I'm sorry sometimes I'm so naughty. Please clean out my heart. Please forgive me. The tears just rolling and how clean I felt. The power of repentance. You know, we don't ever pick up the phone and call the neighboring church and say, we had 19 repent today. We had 49 people repent today. Everything's about the Holy Ghost and baptism, but repentance is the most important step because you can't have the other two without that. If the whole church just repented today, all oh, the angels would be rejoicing all over heaven, all over this building, if everybody would just repent. I was repenting and I felt so clean and so good and nobody was there to instruct me. So what I did naturally was thank the Lord. I'm sitting on that front seat on the end saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for cleaning out my heart. Thank you that you love me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. And while I'm thanking him, he hands me the gift. What do you do when somebody hands you a gift? If I, if I said this was for you and I came to hand you a gift, I picked you because you're smiling. And I handed you this gift, what would you do? Okay, do it. And what would you say? Oh, thank you. You don't know what's in there. Might be a dead possum. Might be my dirty socks. 
See, you don't have to know what's in it, what it's all about, how it's going to happen, and be th just be thankful for it. Just start thanking him. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Why did he just say thank you? Because he trusts me. He knew I wasn't going to give him a dead possum. If I care enough to wrap up something and give it to you, it's going to be something good. How much more should we trust the Lord that if he went to the cross and gave all, spent all that he had, gave his life, Life, that he's going to wrap it up and give you something great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is something great. And then it's your turn to open. You come up here, you can open it any way you want. When Jesus hands you that gift, it's like on Christmas. You know, there are those people in every family. We might have 23 people in the room that have to open gifts. Can I have your bows? Can I, are you going to do anything with those bags? The cheapskates. There are 100 sheets for a dollar at the Dollar Tree. And you know, some people, when they come for the Holy Ghost, it takes them a little while. Sometimes it's because they're shy or they're quiet. They're thinking too much. We try to overthink this. It's supernatural. You can't figure it out. So quit trying to figure it out. And then there are those people like me sitting on the end of that front row that when I lifted my hands and he handed me that gift, I just got in that gift right away and received the gift of a brand new heart. The Bible says he takes away our old stony heart and gives us a brand new heart. And sitting on the end of that front row, I received my gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I remember like yesterday over 52 years ago, I was just thanking him, and my lips start wiggling. And I thought in my head, why is my lip wiggling? You know, like when it's cold outside and your husband's taking forever to unlock the door. You start shaking, and your mouth wiggles. That's not scary. That's because something on the outside's happening on the inside. You're getting a chill. The same thing happens. It's called stammering lips. Your mouth starts wiggling. Now, not everybody even does this part. But that's to get your mouth ready. When your mouth starts wiggling like that, that's not the Holy Ghost yet. That's your mouth getting ready. And sitting on the end of that front row, words came to my mind that I never said before. Strange words. And you know, the moment those words come to your mind, you have a choice right then. You can say, I'm going to say those. It's like when we're talking and something comes to our head, we have a, a few split seconds to decide if we're going to say that or not. Is that a good thing to say? Some people don't have a, a good filter and they just say everything. But we all have that same ability to stop it. But when you're receiving the Holy Ghost, there's going to come a voice saying, that's too easy. You're making that up. That's not the Holy Ghost. That voice is going to come. It comes to everybody. It's the old enemy, the devil. He doesn't want you to go to heaven because he can't go. He doesn't want you to have the Holy Ghost. The moment those words come to your mind, the devil's going to say, you're going to say them wrong. You're going to do it wrong. 
And that's when you just plow through and you move your mouth. He doesn't move it for you. That would make you a puppet. You move your own mouth and let those utterances, those sounds out. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. You can't do it wrong. Do you hear me? You can't do it wrong. You don't have to sound like anybody else. Well, you hear somebody talking next to you, and they're talking real loud in tongues and real big, and it sounds like a fluent German language or something. And you're like, huh, I better not say that because mine doesn't sound like that. Listen, when a little baby starts talking, when you first are born, you, you don't talk right away. You just make sounds. And I remember when Gabriella, my oldest granddaughter, she said, gaga boo ba 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 and looked me right in the eyes. And I said, did you hear that? She said, Mima. <laughs> I didn't say, baby, you be quiet until you learn the whole language. So when somebody comes and they just have a few babbling words, we're going to shout and dance and rejoice because it's not English. It's something different. And we're going to help them claim it. And they're going to grow. And they're going to talk in tongues. They're going to learn the whole language. They're going to grow up in this. So we don't need any of those Pentecostal policemen in the altar. Well, I don't, I don't think they really said anything. I don't think it was enough. Pentecostal policemen go eat roast beef when the altar call is given. Hallelujah. I'm helping somebody today. I'm helping you a lot because this is all so important. I'm sitting on the end of that front row and my mouth is wiggling and I'm letting those words out of my mouth and brother Billy Cole comes down off the platform and he takes his big hand and slaps it on the head of a little nine-year-old chubby freckle-faced girl and part of that mantle falls on me he tells me later I remember that service and I remembered you he said all the souls that you see come in you're a harvester just like I am a harvester he said those are my grandchildren you're praying through my spiritual grandchildren this thing is real how Hallelujah! And it's so easy, and we make it way too hard. Come to the keyboard and give them some hope. I'm winding it up, but I never say, just give me one more minute. I went home, and I couldn't wait to tell my daddy. Dad's sitting in the recliner watching television. Mom had been praying for Daddy for 18 years. Dad had alcohol in the garage, and when Mom took him iced tea, he drank the tea and then poured alcohol in the glass. Saw him do it. A lot of times I would hide because I would know that in just a little while, Dad would get angry. Dad was sitting in the recliner watching television when a little nine-year-old girl came bouncing in. Daddy! You should have been at church today. There was a special preacher there, Dad, and all the kids got to come in the sanctuary. And when we prayed, Daddy, I cried tears. And I asked Jesus to clean out my dirty heart, and he did. And, Daddy, he gave me the Holy Ghost. And I spoke in tongues. It was so wonderful, Dad. When I opened my eyes, Dad, I was back by the back door. I didn't even know how I got there. It's real, Daddy. I remember Dad wasn't smiling. He said, get down off the recliner. Go sit over there on the couch. 
that recliner and that arm was my spot. It was hollowed out where a little girl sat with her arm around her hero's neck. Daddy turned the channels on the television till he found some world news. He was strategic in what he found because there was a man on there talking in a foreign language on the world news. So do you hear that man talking in German or French? I don't know, Spanish. That man knows a foreign language. You don't. He said, I don't want to hear any more about you talking in tongues because it's not real. You're going to have family that don't believe this simply because they don't have it yet. I remember... For just a second, I'm, I mean, I'm only nine. Dad's my best friend. Dad's never lied to me. For just a second, I, I, I thought, I stared at the floor. And, but what Dad didn't count on was the anointing of the Holy Ghost that we all have. When you open your mouth, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is there. There's power in your personal testimony. He had just tried to tell me it didn't happen to me. You understand, trying to get people to come to church is hard. They might promise you and they don't show up. And I'm not saying stop inviting. Oh no, get them here. But we're missing it, church. The fields are white. And we don't go out and bring the field in here and harvest it. How would you do that? That's what the church has been trying to do. Bring the harvest in the building and then harvest it. No. You go out in the fields. The highways and byways. Compel them to come in. To come into what? The building? No. To come into truth. To the family of God. There's power in your personal testimony. But if you don't ever tell it to anyone... It's wasted power. Open your mouth. Tell somebody. Let me tell you what happened to me. What are they going to say? No, it didn't. They might say something that you read in here. I don't believe that. But when you say, this is what happened to me, that was the hang-up for Dad. I mean, his little nine-year-old daughter standing there glowing with the Holy Ghost. And even as he tried to talk me down, he could feel something. A little child shall lead them. I stood as tall as a little nine-year-old girl could stand. And I said, Daddy, I love you. But this time you're wrong. Jesus gave me the Holy Ghost. And I spoke in tongues. And Daddy, I'm going to pray until you get the Holy Ghost. I ran up that aisle to my room, that hallway, and threw myself across my bed. Every day for three months, I prayed for my daddy. Every day. And you know, the Holy Ghost was helping me learn self-control. We're supposed to change after we get the Holy Ghost. It starts helping us with the fruit of the Spirit. Sister Betty didn't have to hold my hand all the time now. I'm sitting in class on Sunday morning. Mom is at church, and I, Dad's at home, and I'm sitting on 
on my chair and I'm behaving myself. And I've been so good all morning. I haven't been talking to my neighbor or touching anyone. And I, I hadn't asked questions when I'm not supposed to. And I've been so good. When the other teacher that went out to take the offering down the hall, she came back in. Church is almost over. Class is almost over. And she points at me. She says, come here. I said, the best thing that you can do, you know, when somebody does that. She said, I mean you. Come with me. I thought, oh no. I don't know what I did this time. I, I mean, I'm working up a cry. Because she's taking me to the sanctuary to my mom. We walk in those back doors and we're, we're walking that long aisle of death. The altar service is going on and, and people are praying and, 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 and it's loud. The music is playing and, and she's walking me up that aisle and I'm saying, what did I, what did I do? Why are you taking me to my mom? What, what did I do? What did I do? And she's not paying any attention to me. And finally, I was ever so relieved when she turned around and said, your mom wants you. She told me to get you out of class and bring you up here. So you see your mom over there? She's got that flowered skirt on by the, by the plant over there. Go find your mom. I start through the, through the altar. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. And when you're a kid, all you see is knees. Excuse me. Excuse me. I finally get over to my mama and I, I grab her skirt tail. Mama, mom, you wanted me? My mom was always so careworn. She had the weight of the world on her shoulders. But that day, when mom turned to look at me, I'll never forget it. There's the most beautiful, glowing smile. But at the same time, the tears were rolling down her cheeks. I thought, why is mama crying and smiling too? But the answer was already right there. When she pushed me up in a crowd of people. And she said, baby, I wanted you to see this. When they pushed me up in that crowd of people around, I got right in that circle, and I looked up. <laughs> there were those big callous hands that held my little hand. Those big broad shoulders that carried me in from the car when I was asleep. <laughs> Shiny black hair. My dad had been under conviction. My dad knew what he needed to do. And he had made his way to the table. I promise you on that Sunday morning as my dad's hands were lifted and he was speaking with other tongues, shaking under the power of the Holy Ghost. Surprise! Yeah. Happy birthday! The angels were lined up saying happy birthday! Just one more. Suddenly. Just one more surprise party. There were 18 filled on that Sunday morning. What a party. Now I've taken a little time and for that I apologize. Thank you for listening to me. But I want to tell you something today. It is so important that you don't run out those doors. And that if you have never spoken in tongues before, I don't care if you're 80, 90, or if you're 8 or 9, or somewhere in between or before or after, man, woman, or child, the Lord wants to fill you today.
It's going to be so easy. As easy as walking to the table for your spiritual birthday. Bringing him a gift. Your heart. And then receiving the gift he has prepared for you. Don't leave him standing at this altar holding that gift that he bought on the cross for you. And walk out again. Would you stand to your feet? There are going to be altar workers, a ministry team that is going to come. But I promise you, no one has to be around you or touch you today. They're only there if you need them. If someone comes to you, they will only lay an anointed hand on your head. And they're assembled not to intimidate you, but to be here for you. Now, first, there are those who have never spoken in tongues. If you are in this section over here to my left, will you step out first and come? You've never spoken in tongues before anybody. Somebody up there needs to come. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Somebody up there needs to come. There's some children that need to come. You know, there's some people that seek for the Holy Ghost a long time and they stop coming because they feel embarrassed. Listen, don't feel embarrassed. If it's been months or if it's been years, today is your day. Today is your day. And you know why sometimes it takes a little while? Because God is preparing you to help the next person that it's taking a little while. You're going to be able to help them. Come right up here in the front. Right up here. Middle sections here. Anybody that you've never spoken in tongues before, come quickly. There's a young lady back here somewhere that has never spoken in tongues. Come quickly. Come on. Remember, it's going to be so easy. Somebody in this section right here, you've never spoken in tongues before. Come on. Don't make me come back there and get you. You know, if you know somebody around you that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, it's hard to walk up that what I call the long aisle of death. It's hard. Turn to them and say, I'll walk with you. Offer to come with them. Take them by the hand. Somebody in this section over here. Somebody up in the risers. There we go. Come on. I knew it. I knew you were coming. Today's your day. Anybody else on this side need the Holy Ghost? Come on, right here. Right here. Some of you come over in the middle here. Move right on over here in the middle. Come on. Come right over here in the middle. If you need the Holy Ghost, come over here in the middle. There you go. All right, the rest of you over here, move over a little bit. So we know who needs the Holy Ghost today. Some mamas and daddies are bringing their children. This is so good. But I'm, I'm, I'm waiting because there's still some that need to come. You must be born of water and spirit. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost, you're not ready for heaven. Please come. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, today's your day. You need to tell someone around you, one of these altar workers, ministry staff, say, I want to be baptized. Now, church, this is your job. I need some people, worshipers, to move in behind these people. People that want a refilling. Those of you that are in your seats, I want you to reach out towards the front. We need people interceding that will drop down to their knees in their seats. I bind the spirit of fear and I lose faith. 
Listen, it's going to be so easy. Everybody in this altar, close your eyes and shut out everybody around you. Lift your face. Jesus wants to look right into your face. You're doing great. Third step is to lift your hands. Here I am, Lord. I surrender. I surrender, Lord. Now we're going to repent. Repent. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Come on, use your mouth. Use your voice. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. Please clean out my heart. He can't move in a dirty heart. You feel like crying. Let the tears flow. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry for the bad things I've done. Come on, church. Let's do it together. Please clean out my heart, Jesus. Receive ye. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and let your mouth begin to wiggle. Let the strange sounds come out. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. 